Hello, everybody, and welcome to Aftersight. I'm your host, Penn Street. I want to celebrate with everybody that today's show is super special. It is our very, very beginning of our second year of Aftersight. I cannot believe we've we've already finished up a year. And today's guest is a perfect way to start off the new year. It is David Epstein. And David is from one of my favorite places in the United States. He's from Sedona, Arizona. I've done quite a bit of hiking there myself, and I'm looking forward to returning there um, hopefully even sometime before the year ends up. Um, David is the mastermind behind a new innovative cane called the All-Terrain Cane. And I actually pre-ordered one this morning along with one of his t-shirts. So um, when we come back, you're going to meet and get to know David a lot better. And he's going to share how the idea of this revolutionary cane even came about um, and the need that he is fulfilling in our community. So hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. David, welcome to Aftersight. Uh, thank you so, so much. It's great to be here. Super excited to be on board today. Awesome. Well, David, I'd like to start out my show with just some, you know, quick fire questions um, so that the audience gets to know you a little bit better. Beautiful. And, and I, I promise they're not too over the top. <laughs> All right. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, the first one, coffee, coffee. Are you a coffee drinker or tea drinker? Oh, coffee more than you can imagine. Oh, okay. Uh, I, maybe I should have said. Trying to cut, right, trying <laughs> to cut back to like two or three pots a day, but we're oh. coffee all the way. <laughs> okay. So this is going to be a really fun interview. <laughs> um, I think I know the answer to this one just in the few minutes we've been together. Mm-hmm. But are you an introvert or an extrovert? I am. I'm an introvert. Really? I am okay. an introvert at 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 heart. Yes. Uh, okay. I used to be a surveyor, having to give information, but I'm a wallflower. I oh. like to be on the sidelines. Awesome. Um, I actually can relate to that. I feel that way too. Um, people think I'm an extrovert because I do a lot of public speaking and I'm out and about in the community. But really, I every time, even every show that I come on... Yes. Um, even though I'm the host, there's this butterflies like, ah. <laughs> so, so that, that is, that is interesting. The next question, do you feel like passion is more important or stability? Um, also a little bit left brain. I think stability, mm. I, I lean towards stability more than passion. Mm. A bit more left brain, a bit more, again, going to the survey or right, wrong, left, right. Uh, yeah. Stability is, is more solid for me. Yeah. I think, too, that I'm visually impaired as well. And I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I am forced to be <laughs> more of a stability kind of person mm-hmm. because I, 
I have to know what's going around. And I have to trust what's, and I have to plan. And, uh, you know, where I think if I had, you know, 2020 vision, I could be more passionate about my decisions where with my vision yes. loss, I, I think it kind of forced me into being more of a, a stable kind of person. I think you're right. I think there's safety in stability. Yeah. And, and with that lack of vision, uh, you know, our boundaries are, are, are nebulous. So yeah. uh, I, I think that's going to work quite well when we start talking about the all-terrain cane and stability and boundaries yes. and where we are in our planet. Yes. Exactly. And that we're safe in that, in that space. Um, yes. Are you a, a, a mountain cabin kind of guy or a beach cabana kind of guy? Oh, <laughs> or see all of the above. Um, <laughs> I, I used to be a beach cabana dude. Uh, I, I used to be... A, Used to be a scuba instructor down in the Caribbean, so beach oh. cabanas and palm trees and chirping birds were all, all my life. But nowadays, mountains give me the mountain mm. views and the air, <laughs> the lack of oxygen, um, <laughs> and, and and the birds and the ravens. Yeah, I'm I'm all about the mountains and the cabins. Mm. Uh, in my, mm. The second half of my life. Yeah, I mean, I live in Colorado, so I definitely love the mountains. Sure. Um, however, sure. you know, I, and I love to downhill ski. I love, love, love it. But man, if I can get away a couple nice. of weeks out of the winter to head South someplace warm <laughs> on the, stick my toes in the water. I I'm all about that as well. So, so my, yes. one of my questions I ask every, every guest, um, because I love music <laughs> is, um, and I think it's so relevant in our lives. Um, so, if you had a theme song, David, what would it be? Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to too much Led Zepp. There are, there are too many theme songs oh. in Led Zepp. Uh, Eddie Vedder is always good for a theme song. <laughs> K. Seurat, whatever. I, I don't know what my theme song would be. Wow. Uh, maybe something from Satriani. Yeah. Ooh. I'll go with something from Joe Satriani because he doesn't do very much lyrics, and oh. he's just an amazing guitar singer. So, well, well, my 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 theme song will be anything from 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 Joe Satriani. Um, that that's interesting. You are the first person that said that, but I think that that's it's more the music than the than the actual lyrics. You know, because that mm-hmm. the beat. My wife loves listening to lyrics. Yeah, I. She's like, "Well, what do you think about this this song? It sounds great." <laughs> No idea what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I'm going to have to put some thought to that because, you know, I have certain thongs, yeah. songs and I'm going to go back and I'm going to kind of think about it. Is it the lyrics that I love or is it the actual, mm. the beat and that what that involves? Yes. So that, that'll be interesting. Yeah, to me, it's the energy, yeah, the energy and the beat of, of the, 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 the song itself. Right, right. And I think the lyrics, to me, are secondary. Well, David, thank you so much for being here today. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're busy and um, it's so amazing what you're doing. Thank you. Now, David, I know that you were diagnosed with RP, which is retinitis pigmentosa, yes. when you were in college. Can, can you share a little bit with our audience about that moment when you were given the diagnosis and then also just how you moved forward to where you are today? Sure, sure. Uh, powerful question. Uh, and, and out of the gate, thank you for this question. Sure. 
Okay, so at the time, I was I was 18 when I was diagnosed, and I was going to school in um, Cleveland, Ohio, for engineering. Mm. Uh, over Thanksgiving break, we were driving back to Massachusetts, um, and I didn't do too well driving that night. Um, didn't really know anything was wrong, but uh, long story short, I had to pick my father up from the office. My father's an ophthalmologist. Okay. So over Thanksgiving... I had the car and I got to pick him up at the office. And while I was at the office, sitting in the waiting room, uh, one more patient to go, he, he called me into the second uh, exam room. Um, I was very curious. I, there was a new tool, a new machine on the wall. And when he came in to pick me up and head home, I said, Dad, what, what's that? That's a new thing in your office. What is that? And he explained to me it's it's for it's for checking uh, peripheral vision. Let's try it out. So stare at the orange button or, or the orange light on the wall. Press the button when I see the light. After the test, to make a, a painfully long story short, yeah. uh, after the test was over, he he slunk into his office, and he comes out of the office looking as as solemn as as he ever did. And I thought, oh, what did I do wrong now? Oh no. And this is where I was in life. I thought, you know, I what did I do? Um, we got home, and over dinner, he broke the news to me that I'm losing my vision. I will no longer be a pilot, and I have to go see Dr. Burson at Mass on the over Christmas vacation. Uh, it, it was it was brutal. Um, did he know that you actually had RP, or he just knew something was wrong? He didn't know anything uh, until until I didn't press the button. Oh, and and even when I you know I told him you know I drove driving home from school I I, I missed the exit and almost ran us off the road. <sighs> That's just I don't, I don't know if that entered his mind, but when he saw the pattern on the screen of what was missing, he <laughs> put two and three together and said, "All right, he's, oh. he's got to pay." Wow. That was a very, very difficult moment for both of us, yeah. I bet. And then I moving bet. forward, uh, I was going to engineering school at the time. Moving forward, I, I, I wanted to be a pilot. As a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. Oh. Well, that morphed into corporate aviation. Uh, and I said, you know what? I, I still want to go. I still, I still got to fly. I already had my pilot's license at this time, but I wanted to continue, go to school in Arizona, get my my slot, you know, as a corporate pilot. Right. Uh, I, I was just hell bent on doing that. Yeah. Um, after a couple of years, though, reality did sink in and I had to bail out of flight school. Um, and that was sort of the beginning of, all right, what do I do from here? Ultimately, a little bit of construction, went back to school for forestry out in Montana with an emphasis in wildland fuels management. Right? Oh, wow. Fancy word for fighting wildfires. <laughs> Important job. Line, fighting wildfires. Yeah. It was um, the best 10 years of my, my working career, I would say. Most amazing experiences on the fire line. Wow. Uh, which is where I, I, I developed my love for the West, uh, for the wilderness, for, yeah. for hiking. And that was really pivotal to the development of the cane, was my passion for being outdoors. Right. After forestry, I got into surveying, as I mentioned earlier, working uh, in the Union in the big cities on the East Coast, Boston, New York. Uh, the Big Dig was one of my great projects. I was on, oh, wow. blessed to be on that project. Yeah. Uh, but from surveying came problem solving. 
how, how to get from here to there with no with no instruction sheet. So a lot of great skills came out of surveying. Yeah. Being in the big city on these projects, obviously I had to wear reflective, bright, you know, clothing, hard right. hat, safety glasses, uh, stand out, call attention. Yes. And as a surveyor, I had to be the vocal one, letting the iron workers and form workers, you know, know where to put their marks in their steel. Um, not my default setting, you know. I, right. Again, I wanted to be second fiddle <laughs> on the wall, uh, a support group. So, forced me out of my shell, and uh, yeah, in 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 problem solving. So. After surveying, uh, my wife ended up uh, getting a, a position out here in Sedona back in 2016, moving the clock ahead a bunch. Yeah. Uh, so we relocated to Sedona. When we did settle out here, I, I found myself surrounded by 400 some odd miles of trails. And I said, this is it. Yeah. I am home. Uh, and that's that's really where the beginning of the development of the Alterain King uh, starts. So were you with the with the previous positions, the surveyor and even the firefighter, was your vision stable? Like Yes. I my my, my vision was in a, a slow decline, uh, but I was still stable at around twenty degrees for many, many years. Oh, okay. And, and that I hate to say it, but that kind of gave me the ability, the dangerous ability to continue to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, driving was risky. And I, I would get up ridiculously early to get to the job site before the Boston traffic. Oh, wow. And I would, I would park in the corner of the job site and sleep for an hour or so that I'd be on time and uh, safe. Right. Uh, but after a while on the job sites, a surveyor walking into the holes and getting you know, impaled by the stakes, I just drove into the ground. It, it ultimately became very, very difficult. Yeah. So... Uh, again, that reality check said, "All right, you've got to, you've got to take this into consideration." Uh, fortunately, uh, the HR department uh, was aware of my condition, and I had to report the findings from a, a study, uh, which was actually Dr. Burson's um, lutein study. Oh yes, I was a participant in that. That was that was a, a great project. Anyways, I, I got the results from that study. Had to present to HR. And and that was it. That mm. was the end of my uh, working career. Wow. Uh, the first question was, "Are you driving a company vehicle?" And the next oh. thing was, "How can we help you?" So, oh. okay, okay, yeah, the honesty bomb. <laughs> when we moved to Arizona, I was down to about ten degrees. Oh wow! Uh, which which was my, my last um, the last Humphrey test showed about ten degrees. And that's that's where that's in 2016 when we got here. Mm. Um, I noticed. I don't know if it's because of the sun in Arizona or what, but from 2016 to 2018, my vision really tanked very very quickly mm. uh, at an alarming rate, such that I had to get in touch with uh, services right. with an O and M specialist. Uh, I realized I needed help, and. I need to get onto the stick as soon as possible. Yeah. So got a hold of, of Arizona, and uh, fortunately, they were able to set me up with an O&M instructor uh, here in Sedona. Nice. Well, drove from Phoenix, and we started training up in Sedona. Uh, and I got a taste 
of the cane. I, 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 I know it was very vulnerable and very, oh man, the, the raw exposed feeling down on main street. But yeah, I very, very quickly adopted the, the brilliance of the cane. Yes, it's obnoxiously reflective, but people notice me. Yes. They notice that, oh, there he is, and then he may not see. I needed that. Uh, yeah. I, I needed that recognition, even though I, I don't like the attention. Right. I needed it. And, and after a while, that became a comfort, knowing that I can be seen with a, with a cane in, uh, in front of me. Right. And that reflective is kind of like what you were talking about when you were on the job site with the you know, the hard hat and the vest and stuff so that people could see you in the, you know, when you guys were working, that kind of is the same thing (laughs) in the sense of that white cane is, is that reflective kind of as a symbol, you know, of what your needs are. Yes. And people see the cane. I don't have to go through an explanation (laughs) of what it is unless people don't, I say that, but You'd be amazed. You may not be amazed at how many people don't recognize what this is. is well, that's a weird hockey stick, says the person at the airport. <laughs> or because you're in hiking uh, country. <laughs> yeah, you're in hiking country like I am here in Colorado. People think it's a hiking stick. Like I've actually had exactly. people stop me yeah. and say, oh, where'd you get that hiking stick? <laughs> we'll circle back to that. Oh, okay. We'll be discussing this. Yes. Ad infinitum, yes. Uh, so I had a taste a taste of, of the mobility of being able to identify tripping hazards, terrain changes, obstacles. I want to bring us to one very p- pivotal, important day on the trails, which is really the birth of the all-terrain cane. Um, my wife and I were hiking uh, between Courthouse Butte and Bella Rock. This is down the village of Oak Creek. Uh, late afternoon one day, and the sun just dipped below the mountains, mm. and I'm stumbling along, right? Uh, really stumbling along. She's up ahead, and, and and apparently, what's coming out of my mouth is nothing but pure poetry uh, at this time. <laughs> and like and I'm, I'm I'm having a I'm having a heck of a time. And finally, my wife turns around and she says, "Look, what? All right, you're in the most beautiful, magical place on this planet." What what is justifying this poetry out of your mouth? You know, what's the problem? Yeah, and I said, you know, I I, I can't do this. I I, I can't see. Mm. I don't have any per- depth perception. I don't have contrast. I, I don't belong here. I can't mm. do this. I don't belong here. And 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 I feel I need <clears throat> I, I need this, but I don't know what this is. And oh. at the time, I found myself. Be- pretending to cane, trying to identify the rocks, the roots, the water bars, tripping hazards, everything that's that's, that's uh, in my way, uh, very forcefully, you know, trying to grind this this imaginary stick into the ground. I said, I, I need this, but I, I don't know what this is. Oh, wow. And and that was that was the pebble that started the avalanche. That wow. To me that was that was a I identified a problem. That I was not willing to 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 give up my hiking boots, but I I can't do it successfully where I am right now. Wow. So I I had to solve this problem. Yeah. And after a lot of decompressing that night in the hot tub, I I I, I suddenly had direction. I was 
it was one of those pivotal moments where, and, and we all have them, where yeah. something happens, and we're not sure what was that. I don't know, but I know it was significant, and I'm going to pay attention to it. So then how long from that until you actually physically started doing a prototype? <laughs> one day. Oh, one day. Wow, you jumped on it. <laughs> one day. Wow. The next day. The next day I was I was at the uh the hiking outfitters store and um I looked around for a trail rated mobility cane. They didn't have any. Mm-mm. So I started out with uh, my first prototype, what I call Mark One. Um, first prototype was a carbon fiber three-section trekking pole uh, with external locks, you know, that flip lock. Right. And I, I just went to town with it, took it to uh, the lab with <laughs> utility knives and, and duct tape and all sorts of crazy tools. And I just started adapting it to what i needed shave the handle that the grip down to create a grip that i feel i needed and right what that turned out to be was was an extended grip it was a 16 inch padded grip that i can choke up on and, and adjust from a a golf grip or a caning grip to a ski pole grip for when I when I'm lowering myself down steps or stairs or right and uh, I was gonna ask block. I was uh, gonna ask you about that because there are people that are listening may mm-hmm. not I understand why you need to choke up mm-hmm. on the on this on the cane but yes. people who haven't experienced hiking can you tell them why mm-hmm. why they need that Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and all of this was really learned on the trails. Um, the cane itself gives us two paces of protection. We learned that in, in O&M training. Right. Uh, the cane length is adjusted to our pace. Uh, so we have a, a two-pace uh, arc of protection. When we're hiking, the trails are, are, are they're very variable. Uh, they're rocky, they're narrow, uh, steep up, down. Uh, mm-hmm. very variable so two paces is not my six foot pace on the street uh, it may be a lot shorter uh, my steps are a lot shorter if i'm climbing i'm in descending i'm you know up is right here so yeah. i can't have a 54 or 58 inch cane out when i'm climbing and my next step is right in front of me so choking up and shortening that two pace arc is really important for making sure our next step on the trail is a safe one. Right. Um, and we know that okay, it, there's a rock there and I'll know how or where to plant my foot. Yeah. And it's similar for those of you who are cane users, when you're going up and down stairs, it you don't keep your the cane out in front of you. Like when you're walking, <laughs> you, you pull it closer to you so that you can actually tell how tall um, or short the stairs are. Um, so it's similar. It's similar to that. I'm trying to give people who've never hiked um, a sort of the ah. picture of why why there's a difference. Okay, nice, nice. Yeah. So with that first prototype, which you call Mark One, mm. what, what Mark were one some version. of, yeah, what was some of the things that like, oh, this is awesome, but then, <laughs> nope, this <laughs> has got to go. <laughs> 
Absolutely. That's why that's why it's Mark One of Three. So mm-hmm. the Mark One version, I I love where I'm going with the handle grips, sixteen inches, yeah. good solid grip, uh, especially down you know down towards the bottom of the grip. If I need to grip and lower or raise myself, I'm not gripping a slippery metal or carbon right. pole. It's something. It's a positive grip. So okay, the grip successful. I like the flip locks. Uh, as a blind person, they're easy to identify and easy to flip open. It's open yeah. or closed, as opposed to an internal or a spinning lock. Right. I think it's locked. Yeah. Um, the Mark One version is carbon, carbon fiber, so it's very light, but it's not very strong as far as vertical loading. Uh, this one, I believe, can withstand 140 pounds of vertical loading. Okay, that's it's okay. Yeah. But I wanted better. So I picked up what I call the Mark II, which is a slightly different pole. It's still three section telescoping pole, but each section where the lock is an internal uh, spin lock. So you have to spin each section maybe about six times for it to free up enough to adjust the length. Oh, okay. Uh, Again, with a 16-inch handle grip. But the problem with both the Mark One and the Mark II version is that they're telescoping, and there's no indication on how far we're pulling the poles out by oh. by, by by feel. Right. And if we overextend, we pull the, the sections out, and getting them back in as a blind person is a challenge. Right. And I've seen too many of the locks break because they're not reinserted correctly. So. That's another problem I identified that blind people, we don't like change. You know, change <laughs> one thing and we'll resist. Yeah. Change two things and we'll throw it over our shoulder. Yeah. So telescoping cane didn't work. Uh, they're also, you know, dark. This one is dark gray. The other one is black. It mm. doesn't look like a mobility cane. Right. That's another problem. So... I have all these problems of telescoping, of look, of grip, of fixed length. How do we adjust the length? And I ultimately came up with the drumroll Mark III version. Mm. Um, And I'd love to give you an audio description tour of the Mark III version and how it differs from the other two that I've created. Absolutely. Starting, let's see, let's start from, let's start with the materials. Mark one was carbon fiber, 140 pounds vertical. Mark two version was aluminum, and that was rated for 308 pounds of vertical load. Wow. Uh, nice and strong, but I wanted better. Yeah, uh, I want something that over overachieves is just overbuilt, over strong, because one of my philosophies, one of the aware wolf gear philosophies, is. Uh, if you need it and you don't have it, then you're in trouble. Yeah. So I wanted to find a super strong but super lightweight material to make these canes. Um, being a, a former pilot and, and, and love high tech and aviation, right. I thought of titanium. Oh. And I was able to source a, a titanium alloy, a grade nine alloy, which is about as strong as as you can imagine. But also very lightweight. So the cane itself is built as a three-section titanium cane with a 16-inch handle grip. 
um, give you the tour of the grip. Uh, it's it's um, the first half has that flat section that we're accustomed to, and right. keeping change to a minimum. But then the second half of the grip is just a round profile, and that allows us to choke up again with both a golf and ski pole grip. Now this foam grip is on its own aluminum tube with a flip lock. All right, so this grip slides up and down the top section of titanium, allowing the cane to be adjusted from 51 inches all the way up to 61 inches. Wow. This allows us to customize our length uh, very quickly, very easily. Right, right. Um, the cane is white reflective. And oh. The bottom is red reflective, so it looks like a mobility cane. It honestly does. It, it, it looks like a cane that we're all accustomed to. Okay. Um, on the side, I've got a label. It says all-terrain cane in, and in Braille. And I'm very uh, proud to say that the Braille is raised. Oh, good. Um, I was going to ask you it's, about it's, that. It's, yeah, it's, it's neat. It's, you know, I'm just going down the cane looking at the features. And I, I saw that. It's like, you know, it's, it's a label, but it's neat. And it's, it's Braille. And I'm glad I did that. Uh, the tip, uh, we're using a two-inch rolling ball tip. Oh, nice. And I made sure, yeah, it, I've been through probably half a dozen tips uh, on the on the quest to find the perfect cane yeah. uh, for all environments. And I, I tried the Dakota disc. I tried uh, the marshmallow and the, bull, yeah. uh, the bulldog tip. Um, <laughs> too small, too weak, too floppy. This rolling ball tip works perfectly on, on the sand, rocks, all environments. Wow. It, it just excels on all surfaces. Uh, it's also a half-inch slip-on. I made sure that it's it's the same as, as the universal slip-on tips that we have already. Right. So the tips can be interchangeable and replaceable. Uh, wow. We are producing our own uh, ball tips. Um, I asked myself, why white? Does it have to be white? No. Right. So we're making white, a bright yellow, a red-orange, and a sherbet pink. Oh, fun. Uh, just, to, just to bling up the tips a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just give us a little bit more bright color. <laughs> um, also, the balls are welded together, not just screwed, but welded together. Oh, nice. Uh, just going that extra mile to, to, to really make sure these cans are overachievers. Right. Overachievers, which, which they need to be out. They have to be out if you're if it's something you are relying on for you to get out and back on a trail. It's got to be over the top. Yes, absolutely. Uh, also, this summer, uh, spend my summers in Rhode Island on the beaches, mm. and I developed this cane uh, selfishly for me because I want to keep hiking. Um, but on the beaches, I I, I realized it. It works here too, over the sandcastles and the holes oh. that the kids dig, uh, the rocks into yeah. the water, and I don't have to gingerly tap left and right. No, it, the cane is used the way it's supposed to be used wow. uh, on these rough environments, and 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 that's why it's so beefy. Is that it needs it needs to do its job wherever right. it is. Right. On the beaches, I need to know where the holes are. I can see this cane because there's a lot of people who are blind that you that are cane users that live in rural communities 
where there's not like these perfectly exactly. beautiful flat sidewalks. Um, and man, I, I cannot name the number of canes mm-hmm. I've broken. I, I must just, I don't know what it is about me. Um, so I'm excited to could try. Could be Colorado too. Yeah, it could be. Um, except mm-hmm. I've broken a few canes on the streets in Chicago as well. But I'm excited. Oh, fun. I'm really excited um, to to get mine. Like I said, I ordered it this morning, um, and That's I know awesome. I can't. I think it comes out November. Is that right? I can't remember what the ship uh, date our, was. Our goal is to have them on. Yeah, yeah. Our goal is to have them on shelves and available for holidays. Oh, awesome. Uh, knowing that this is not the, the world, yeah, it's not the world we grew up in. Uh, uh, commerce seems to be taking a little bit longer these days. Uh, so that's our, our goal. Uh, the factory is up and running. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking at uh, holiday season. Right. Uh, awesome. But you also bring up a really, really interesting point of, of where an indestructible cane can be used. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sure, you know, at first designed for the trails and then for the beaches, but the the applications just started unfolding. You know, parks and playgrounds, yeah, New England or anywhere where it's snowy, icy, any yeah. rough conditions. But then you look at the planet and all the developing countries that you know they're dirt roads. It's yep. uh, you know not just rural, but it's it's rugged. Um, yeah. The car doors, uh, what a car door does to an aluminum cane or even oh. carbon fiber cane. Yeah. In, in developing countries that are far, far away from here, they don't have the luxury of just picking up another cane. So I want this to be able to endure what what, what, what it could possibly encounter. Right. And I do believe we're there. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely proud of the ATC. David, you mentioned that you can make it longer or shorter and going along with that you know like as you said there's so many places on this planet you can't just order a new cane through ambiotech or or wherever you get Mm. your canes or a free one through the nfb you know so Mm. that cane has to last you (laughs) a really long time and if you're a, a youth you know a kid it's not like oh i grew six inches over the summer, so now I need exactly. a cane, so the cane can grow, grow with you. I it's, it is just like absolutely, it's beautiful. Well, and I one of the reasons that I think it's going to be super successful is that it that this technology was created by somebody who's blind and actually uses the technology mm. because there's so much uh, crap out there. That is supposed <laughs> that is supposed to make our lives easier, more accessible, and it, it it's junk. You know, it doesn't yes. do what it's supposed to do, or it's not actually accessible. I mean, I've had so many products given to me by loving family, you know, friends that they yes. thought, "Oh, this is going to be awesome," but you get it, and it's not even accessible. Even though it's supposed to be for blind exactly, or it looked good on the commercial on TV, but when there's technology that is being built by blind people for blind people that actually Mm. use that product, it's something that's going to be successful. I I hear that. I I I fully agree Uh, because this was born out of out of need. It was designed 
out of need. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it just saying that that's what was, that's exactly what was in my mind. And then what a great feeling that is. This is exactly what I had in my brain. And here it is. Wow. And, it, and it's actually here, <laughs> here for the holidays. It is. Um, what a- absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, David, I, you know, mm-hmm. I get to interview so many, like, incredible people on here. And there's one thing that I feel yes. like a lot of people have in common is they have the, the passion or the inspiration to, to do something like what you're doing that really changes the course of people like you and I who are blind and visually impaired, Hmm. where did that passion kind of start with you? Um, You know, or you were, were you, I can't imagine when you were a little boy, you're like, someday I'm going to grow up and lose my vision and I'm going to invent this altering (laughs) cave to change the world. Like where, where did that kind of spark start for you um, that you, that you wanted to do something that was going to, not just impact your life because you could have been very selfish and like, Oh my gosh, mm. this is awesome. I'm, this is changing my world, but you, you didn't, you took it to those next steps, which is often mm. the harder steps, which is actually producing it and, and getting it out to the world. And it, it, where did mm. that, that come from? Yes. Uh, huge. That's a huge question. Um, and the answer and, and I, I don't, I don't have these questions written out, you know, in in in, in advance. So I'm kind of right. winging it. But then my brain is picking up all sorts of inf- all memories and thoughts. Yeah, I could, I could probably talk for 18 hours on this subject, and it, and it would incorporate Eric and his story, mm. uh, my father, uh, and and, and I, I could tell the story in a very serious and painful emotionally painful way but i don't think there's need to right now right um regardless of the support the emotional support i did or did not have uh following my diagnosis i essentially carved my own path uh through the world uh finding out what works what doesn't uh yeah. for example my, my my first my first bailout after my diagnosis was uh I, I became a scuba instructor and moved down to the caribbean oh okay and basically gave, gave the rest of the world an enormous middle finger and said you know <laughs> this is what i think about you and your rp uh, i'll just buy a, a brighter dive light and that was my solution for that year yeah um but I believe, well, my, my father was very passionate about the, 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 the desert Southwest. Uh, unfortunately, mm. he passed before he could see us move here. Mm. Um, and that's a little unfortunate. But I believe my passion really kicked in recently, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, when... I suddenly embraced my blindness, mm. and it had to do with learning the cane. It had to do with uh, acknowledging um, my willingness to to not give up hiking, but to continue hiking. Right. My my uh, problem solving, conquering fears, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but when I embraced my blindness and said, "Okay, I've got a prototype of a cane that keeps me hiking," yeah. And 
I, my, my focus shifted from me to beyond me for really the first time and said, I, I, I've got a community. Yeah. I've got a community of blind people yeah. that can, can benefit from what I'm doing. And, and I think that's where the, that's where the shift really occurred. Uh, it was, was when I was able to take the focus from me to outside of me. Yeah, that's, I, I think that most people can relate to that because I think we all have, and, and, and sometimes there are many moments of our lifetimes and that when you're like, okay, if I, if I have the right skills and I have the right tool, I, I can still mm. continue on with my life. And you mentioned Eric, Eric Weimer, and he definitely, I've been low vision since I was nine, but when I had a, a, my retina hemorrhaged and my good quote, good eye, um, Mm. and I lost a ton of vision overnight. And so it really, and I was living in the mountains. I was actually teaching blind kids how to rock climb. (laughs) I, I was hiking, hiking 14, you know, I was, I, I, and that was all with low vision, but when I lost this huge chunk that, and they said that I was going to be total in three months time, Mm. I just went nuts. Like I, I, you know, went Mm -hmm. to a very dark place and it was, it was very fortunate. I had a really good friend that I'd hiked with and she actually introduced me to Eric Weimayer and it was shortly after Mm. his, his film, actually it was his world premiere came out of his film about climbing Everest. And when I met Eric, it, it, it was that spark I needed that, Hey, you know how to climb mountains, you know, how to rock climb. Um, yes, and you were, and yes, you were actually, yes. you were doing it with low vision and now you have to do it with less vision. Yes. And Eric was sort of the catalyst for me that you don't have to give up. You know, and and Eric showed me how to use yes. trekking trekking poles, which is what he uses. Yes, and he and he was the one that showed me the importance of having really tall trekking poles, as tall as you can get them, because of what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. However, the thing with me is, I have a guide dog, and I don't always hike with my guide dog, but when I do, I have my guide dog on my left, and then I I always take one trek pole. Mm-hmm in my right hand because yes. the guide dogs are are trained the way they're trained. So where I need kind of like what you're talking about, a regular cane is too far out in front of you. You need the ability to have alternative ways of using it. And so, um, mm-hmm. but even with the trek poles, one of the things that really I liked about the all-terrain cane is that grip is so much longer because mm-hmm. even on trek poles, nice. if you have to go, you know, the, the handle is, is the normal handle. So you're holding on to the actual shaft of the, the pole. If you have to go lower and it's, it's, it's not super comfortable and it doesn't feel <laughs> sturdy. Like maybe it is. Um, yes. never, I mean, I've only done a few face plants, but it's, that's what, that's what really impressed me. But also with your cane, it's something that I can leave the trail to go to the restaurant, you know, or the cafe. Um, 
and and I don't have to like switch out canes or, you know, it. I right. can, you know, I can use it. Um, and and I do a lot of traveling, and I and I do a lot of traveling in rural communities with the work I do. And man, even if there is a sidewalk, there are cracks, and boy, you get that gut wrenching. Yeah. Like, so. The, it's the gut jab. Yeah, right? the gut jab. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I really am excited. And, and I thank you for sharing kind of that pivotal moment because I, I also heard you share with Jonathan that you are, as, at, you're teaching, um, you had an opportunity to teach kids um, about being in the outdoors yes. and using their cane. Can you share a little bit about that and how that was for you? Oh, my goodness. That was. That was the most monumental week of my life. Mm. And very recently, I uh, had the opportunity to be a uh, the blind hiking coach for a half a dozen uh, young blind athletes. Uh, and these are these are little 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 kids, like twelve, wow. uh, twelve to I believe fifteen or sixteen years old. Uh, some had some useful vision. Um, a, a number who are completely blind. Yeah, and uh, this we, I brought up a whole bunch of uh, prototype ATCs, yeah. uh, introduced them, and we went on a short hike around the airport. This is up in Page, Arizona. Oh yeah, I know what uh, that so is. So we did a, an introductory, beautiful place. Yeah, uh, everybody got the feel for the cane. Um, and they were really, they were doing it. They weren't going, you know, gingerly tippy tapping left and right, but yeah. they're using it and finding their way and making sure the next steps is safe. And I was, I was very impressed oh. at how they they adopted or adapted them, you know, right out of the gate. Uh, the next day, we went to the Grand Canyon and uh, led the group down the canyon on i don't remember what trail it's it was yeah. an easy trail that you know you sure you can probably take wheelchairs down but there we were a half dozen blind youth caning away down wow. into the grand canyon and we we turned heads wow uh, it was a very emotional experience and, oh. and, and and visitors were crying and just by witnessing what we were doing oh. and it was just it was just so heartfelt and, and oh. to be able to, and, and the kids are like, I hiked the Grand Canyon. Oh, and, wow. You know, it, was, it was very, very emotional day. Uh, and that's something they are going to remember forever, forever. <laughs> forever, yes. Yeah. So, David, how do people find out more about, you know, the all-terrain cane? And then also, can you talk a little bit about your clothing line? Oh, sure. Uh, where to find the all-terrain cane? Uh, simply go to our website, and that is awerewolfgear.com, and that is spelled A-W-A-R-E-W-O-L-F-G-E-A-R.com, and that'll take you right to the all-terrain cane page. Uh, we will be doing some photography, uh, today's Tuesday, we'll be doing some photography tomorrow and Thursday to get some good studio pictures of the cane on the site. Uh, we are planning a photo shoot out in LA coming up at sometime in the near future, but for now, uh, we're getting our landing page set with some studio photos. Uh, we do have the uh, pre-order, um, ability on the page. 
I, I want to share uh, one more thing on that. We are going to be uh, building a sponsorship program oh, wow. where people can put uh, where they can purchase a cane either specifically for a blind person or what I call the gen pop. Uh, where they can purchase a cane for anybody on the planet wow. who needs one who can't afford one. Maybe wow. somebody down in, in, in a developing country or, 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 or whoever knows where. If there's a need, someone can supply a cane. And, and yeah. we're very excited for that. That's, that's some great um, support for the community. Um, it feels like, like, like a, a good piece of the project. Um, very excited about it. I'm excited to, uh, one of our goals is to uh, employ uh, a number of blind people to awesome. complete the assembly and packaging of the canes here in America. Uh, awesome. That's, that's going to be a big part of our, our project is put some blind people to work. Yes. Uh, give yeah. them a reason to get up and out in the morning. Yeah. Very excited for that. Yeah. And share about the clothing line. The clothing line. I actually got one of the shirts um i can't wait mm -hmm. to get it oh nice <laughs> they're, they're awesome they feel great really awesome uh, very comfortable material great printing uh okay a werewolf gear werewolf gear is high visibility clothing for low vision people uh i being a surveyor in boston i obviously didn't want to get run over didn't want to look like a traffic cone so <laughs> in blindness I, I don't i don't like getting run over by people taking pictures of snoopy rock uh <laughs> so i needed to come up with something to, to let the the sighted hordes i call them the sighted yeah. hordes know that i might not see them coming on the streets with with a cane oh that that, that feeling of vulnerability and exposure it passed yeah. Uh -huh. uh, and it passed with a sense of freedom and safety. Um, when I thought of this clothing line, I thought I need I need to make a bold statement. So I incorporated the word "blind" in big bold letters across the chest, sleeves, back, you know, wherever it can be seen to let people know that yeah, I might look great, but I can't see good. And that's really the theory uh, behind a werewolf theory. So we. Uh, <laughs> I just came up with, well, I didn't just come up with, we, uh, yeah. we found a, a designer, came up with a really, really beautiful logo, uh, the wolf head. Yeah. Uh, that's incorporated into the cane. I've got the wolf head on the handle and on the label. It's kind of neat. Oh, cool. Um, and it's just a, a, a it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a clothing line that, that brings awareness to the community. Yeah. And it's not just for us blind people to wear. Uh, a lot of the shirts don't have blind on it. They're really good for a support uh, system, yeah, know, lending support to their blind loved ones. Yeah, they are very cool looking. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, Jonathan, our podcast producer, just oud and odd, and um, so yeah. Again, it's nice. not just for as people who are blind or visually impaired. It's also for anybody who just really wants to support the community, but also look cool doing it. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, David, what would you want the takeaway for people today listening to this? My takeaway is we got this. Yeah. If we're low vision enough that we need O&M training, get the training and know that with this training, there's no reason why we can't be out doing 
what we want to be doing, to be where we want to be on the mountaintops, at the beaches, hiking, uh, the grand dude's playground. Yeah. Once we know how to use the stick, there's no reason why we can't be anywhere we want to be. So my, my, my message is really all about outdoorsmanship, uh, empowerment, yeah, freedom, mobility. That's that's what I want to bring to the world. That's Let's get awesome. out there and get it done. Absolutely, absolutely. So, David, I always give the opportunity because I've been asking you question after question. Um, <clears throat> I always give my guests an opportunity to ask me a question. Do you have a question for me? Uh, what would it take to go hiking with you up in Colorado? Uh, <laughs> I'm interested in, uh, yeah. Uh, let's get out there and, and, and beat some trails into submission. Um, Absolutely. And I would love to collaborate with you um, because once a year we do, we've are, we've had two the last two years, we do a fundraising hike for Audio Information Network of Colorado. The first year we did yes. it, we had, it, I mean, I struggled to get 20 people. I mean, <laughs> it was like um, okay. making sure all my friends and, kind of guilt tripping them this last one we did we had, we had 67 people and so there there's a need nice right and and it's it's for people who are blind and visually impaired to get out and hike and we provide the site nice. and so next year i think it's even going to be bigger because the word's out that we're doing this hike and 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 if you're blind or visually impaired it's absolutely free um, but I would love to get okay. you out, out here to Colorado next year to be part of it um, and also to get some of those canes in their hands. Get their cane. And Eric has uh, been... I'm, Eric, I am 100% committed. Okay. And Eric has been on our last two hikes, and I'm hoping he'll be there again next okay. year if it fits in a schedule. But it's just, it's just a wonderful opportunity. I... Um, I, I have some other health issues, so 14ers are kind of which is a Colorado term of peaks that are 14,000 feet or above. Those are a little bit oh, wow. hard, like okay. a little bit out of my reach um, these days. But but I, I'm going hiking this Sunday with a group of blind and visually impaired um, hikers nice. through, through our nice. lion's. Through our Lions Club, um, and so yeah, I and we like I, I'm, I'm serious. We love Sedona, and so and we have a nice. uh, we have a you know wonderful van um, that we've outfitted, mm-hmm. and so we you know we may be okay. knocking on your door <laughs> this winter. Uh, so you know what? Yeah, when opportunity knocks, uh, that would be so awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for. Um, being willing to come on today. I know you're really busy and um, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get mine in my hands and I'll report back here too on Aftersight, let you guys know what I think. Um, But I'm super, super excited. Anything that helps me get outside, it is a gift. So um, again, thank you so much. And um, Definitely want to thank everybody at Audio Information Network of Colorado for making this podcast possible and all the hard work that everybody puts in to bring this week after week after week. And and I thank everybody as well. You're a great crew. Oh, thanks, David. Thank you. Um, so everybody, remember to be kind to yourself this week and find a way to be kind to somebody else. It's good for your soul. 
Until next week. <laughs>